Well, you know, I, I was looking forward to preaching. I'm sick. I didn't want to give up the opportunity to preach this message. I love this message that I have for you today. It's, a, it's kind of a perfect message for that week between Christmas and New Year's. You know that week where you, maybe you don't get out of sweats for three or four days. I know I didn't. You're not sure what day it is. You know that there's a fridge full of leftovers, so you don't have to cook. You don't have to go anywhere uh, if you stayed home for Christmas. Maybe you're transitioning back. Maybe you have time off of work. Maybe you don't. But either way, there's there's a transition that happens. And this week is typically a week that only church folk come to church, right? Because you've got a thousand reasons not to come to church. So if you're here today, good for you. You get a sticker. You get a smiley face from the pastor. Uh, We're glad that you're here. And uh, as you're thinking about New Year's resolutions, as you're thinking about turning the page and closing the door on 2018, opening the door on 2019, a friend of mine on Facebook reminded me that the, the, the name of the month January is for the Roman god Janus, who has two faces, if you've ever seen that image, with one face looking back and one face looking forward. And at the beginning of the year, we're wise if we look back into the past to say, what can we learn from 2018? What are a few of the lessons that 2018 brought us? And what lies ahead in 2019? What has God put in front of us? And in the, in the concept of Scripture and some of the things that we talk about in God's Word, I think there's wisdom in looking back and seeking to gain some understanding from what has happened. And then we pray for the faith and the courage to move forward into the new thing that God is doing in each of our lives and in our lives collectively as a church in 2019. So this message really is... is zeroing in on this time in your life and in our life. And, uh, and I want you, at the beginning of the message here, to think about, for a minute, think about a time in your life or a season in your life when you would say you were growing spiritually at a faster rate. Maybe there's a season in your life, maybe it was college for you, maybe it was right after college, maybe it was when you had kids, maybe it was some other season. But there's a season most people who have grown significantly in faith can point to and say, man, I really grew during that season. God really came alive to me during that time in my life. Now, for me, for a long time, this has been 2004 to 2008, about the spring of 2004 to the fall of 2008. I went from being pretty worldly um, and, and not too focused on God and the things that he was doing uh, to transitioning into full-time ministry. I was baptized as an adult in the summer of 2008, Uh, following a really powerful experience with a men's small group. We started serving in our church. We opened a small group in our home. Um, I was in a men's Bible study on Tuesday mornings with several pastors, and God started to speak to me and and draw my heart into ministry. And and during that season, I went from from pretty well thinking, I had this kind of all figured out. I'm going to sell insurance, and and 10 years into that, I'll be making six figures in my sleep. And I kind of had it all sorted out. And I knew what I was doing, where I was going, how I was going to get there. And, and as we got closer to God and to the things that he had for us and started to understand him and his will for our lives, it became clearer and clearer that there was a calling there and that there were some giftings that he wanted us to use. And, uh, and so that was a season in my life when I really grew spiritually. So think about what that is for you, and we'll come back to that uh, towards the end of the message. But right now, I want to kind of tie a bow on our Christmas series, if you were here for making the most of Christmas, I want to kind of put a bow on that one and then, and then 
leave that one behind, but I, I don't want you to miss the opportunity where we talked about making the most of every opportunity, making the most of Christmas, the tremendous opportunity that Christmas presents you. I want to encourage you one more time to make the most of 2019, to make the most of the year ahead of you, to make the most of the blank slate that you get to write the story of your life in 2019. And the four things that we looked at in the, in the series, making the most of Christmas, will work for you there as well. Pray constantly. That was the first message in that series. Pray constantly. Proclaim the gospel clearly. Don't send a mixed message with your behavior and your words and the things that you say and do. Proclaim the gospel of who you are in Christ clearly throughout the year. The third message that we looked at was to act wisely. Act with wisdom. Make sure that you're protecting your witness in this world. Be wise in the way that you act towards us outsiders. And speak graciously. Speak graciously throughout 2019. You don't have to stop doing any of those things just because we finished that series and Advent is behind us. 2019 is in front of us, and those things will serve you well in the future. Next week, we're going to start a new series titled By Faith. By Faith. And I don't know about you, but one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture is Hebrews chapter 11, where we hear over and over and over again, by faith, by faith, the people of God did this, and by faith, the people of God did this. And as we step into 2019, we're going to step in and consider what we can do as the people of God when we choose to do it by faith. So if you want to start reading ahead a little bit, you could read through Hebrews chapter 11. You could pay attention, maybe underline a few things that stand out to you. Maybe spend some time journaling about that. And uh, come back next week. We'll have a four-week series titled By Faith. This week, we're going to be in a message titled Closing Time because we are closing the door on 2018 and opening the door on 2019. And our bottom line plays on that hinge of two years that we find ourselves in here today. That as we close the door on 2018, we can close the door on some of the wrong things, which will help us to open the door on the right things in 2019. I don't know about you, but I find that time is a zero-sum game. You know what that means? It means there's only so much time. And so I can't just commit to reading my Bible for an hour a day, every day, in 2019 without clearing off an hour each day from 2018. Does that make sense? And so there are some things that I'm doing in 2018 that I might need to close the door on in order to do what God would have me do in 2019. That's going to kind of be the bottom line, the big idea today. We're not just talking about making a New Year's resolution. Somebody shared a cartoon with me that said, New Year's resolution, that's your to-do list for the first week of the year, and then you're done with that, and you move on with the old habits. I think God has called us into something greater. And whatever your New Year's resolution might be, if reading the Bible every day is not a part of your habits, I would strongly encourage you to make that one New Year's resolution. There are apps, there are reading plans, there are all kinds of things. I share on Facebook every day what I read in Scripture, one or two verses. That could be your reading plan. Just pick that scripture, go to a Bible app, read that chapter, and you'll be reading the same chapter of scripture that pastor is. That would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? There's all kinds of ways that you can get engaged in scripture on a daily basis. If you have one of these Alexas or one of these Google things, you can say, hey, Alexa, read me Matthew chapter 5. And she'll start reading to you Matthew chapter 5. It's amazing. I don't know how they do these things, but they do these things. You can do it audio on your way to work. You can do it 
so many different ways. You can build it into your bedtime routine with your kids to read some scripture together. But read scripture together. Read scripture every single day, if you possibly can. Our scripture for today is going to be Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 26. If you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you to get it out and open it up. If you need one of the pew Bibles, they're in the seats in front of you. And it's page 1500 and... 1815, 1815, Galatians chapter 5. I'll read this to you and then we'll kind of work back through it and see what God's word has to say to us today as we consider closing the door on the wrong things so that we can open the door on the right things. Here's what Paul writes to the churches in Galatia. There were a number of churches that he addressed this letter to and they circulated this letter around to them. And this is one section of that letter. He says in verse 16, So I say... Live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage... Selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit... Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So in this 11-verse passage that we just read, you have a sin list, basically, and it happens to be the most comprehensive list of sins in the Bible. If you count them up, there are more in this list of sins. There are more ways to sin, more ways to disobey, more ways to break the law, more ways to harm each other in this list that we read about in verses 19 through 21 than any of the other lists in the New Testament. And that's followed by Jesus' fruit basket. Did anybody get a fruit basket for Christmas? You know, when you get a, a basket and... People put $4 worth of produce in a bowl and sell it for 20 bucks. You know, I mean, that's, that's like what a fruit basket is. And this is Jesus' fruit basket. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the whole expression of Christian life is found in this list. And right in the middle of it is the kingdom of God. Right in the middle of it is the kingdom of God, where there's a reference to who is and who is not living in the kingdom of God. And when we think about kingdom, remember, we're not talking about a political designation like we think about with kingdom. That word that we translate as kingdom from the New Testament is the Greek word basilia, and it means an order of authority. It means that you're living in the ways of God. You're living in the dominion of God when you see the fruit of the Spirit coming out of your life. And so that's contrasted. There's a a strong contrast between the acts of the sinful nature and the fruit of of the Spirit. And I've highlighted those words because I think they're significant because the acts are the actions that we do individually versus the fruit of the Spirit. So it's almost like there's a me versus we. Me on my own, my own sinful nature, without the Spirit of God intersecting my life, without fellowship of believers, I will naturally do the acts 
of the sinful nature in one way or another. But when I link up and sync up with the Holy Spirit and with other believers, then the fruit of the Spirit comes out of my life. And so there's a contrast between the acts or the actions of the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit, of the Spirit of God, the pride of myself versus the humility that allows God to work in me and through me. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, by their fruit, you will know them. By their fruit, you will know them. The fruit that our lives produce, right? You go to the grocery store, where do you buy the fruit? You buy it in the produce section. Your life is producing something. Is it the acts of the sinful nature or is it the fruit of the Spirit at work within you? Interestingly enough, both of these lists, the sin list in verses 19 through 21 and the fruit of the Spirit in verses 22 and 23 can be broken into three categories. And I think there's some insight there that that when we break this list down, this sin list, which seems large and all-encompassing, when we break it down, we see that, that there are broken relationships or unhealthy relationships referenced in each of these between either God, others, or ourselves. When we look at these sins, we see that there are broken relationships in them, inherent in them, in our relationship with God through things like idolatry and witchcraft. Now, when we think about idolatry, maybe you think of a little Buddha statue on a, on a mantle or something and people praying to that idol. That's one form of idolatry. But there are some new forms of idolatry that we've sort of invented. Things like materialism or the idol of success. Or even taking something as wonderful as our children. We can make them an idol that we put in front of God. And we sacrifice everything for that. Rather than putting God on the throne of our lives. And keeping him there. And so idolatry takes many different forms. Just because you don't have a Buddha on your mantelpiece. You might have a shiny square that you stare at for hours a day, and that's become your idol. God will convict your heart if, if there's an area where you've gotten out of bounds, if you will bring it to him and say, God, where am, where am I missing with idolatry? Witchcraft is another one. Most of you probably don't cast a lot of spells, at least I hope not. But, but we are told over and over in Scripture to have nothing to do with those things, nothing to do with the things of darkness. And we dabble in horoscopes, and we dabble in in astrology and things like that and think that it doesn't have an impact on our lives and yet it does and so I would really encourage you uh, to ask God is there anything that I need to close the door on now's the perfect time to do it to make a clean break from that right now is there any idolatry in my life is there any witchcraft in my life that I've allowed to creep in that I've given Satan a foothold that I can close the door on right now the next group that we talked about is a broken relationship or an unhealthy relationship with others And this is where we see in the list things like hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, dissensions, factions, and envy. Does that sound like any fun? No. And yet, millions of people get on Facebook every day and argue with strangers about things that that really, there's no solution coming from that dialogue. But there is a whole lot of hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, dissensions, factions, and envy. And so we might ask ourselves, are there some things that we need to close the door on? Some broken relationships with others, whether that's in our families or whether that's with strangers or whether that's with passers-by or co-workers or neighbors, that we could close the door on these, this hatred, discord, jealousy, rage, dissensions, factions, and envy. Close the door on those. Leave them behind in 2018 and open the door to something better in 2019. Or there's the final list or the final category would be a broken or an unhealthy relationship with yourself, an unhealthy view of yourself. 
Not realizing that you are created in the image of God, that you are dearly loved by him, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that the Spirit of God literally resides within you, and that he loves you and gave himself for you, that he's with you, that you are safe and secure with him. If you don't believe that, if you don't remember that, if you don't reside in that reality, that opens the door to sexual immorality and impurity and debauchery, selfish ambition, drunkenness, and orgies. All these things that that we think, well, no, I don't have anything to do with that. And yet we can ask God to show us any area in our lives where we might have a broken relationship with ourselves and who he created us to be and who he sees when he looks at you. Is there any discord there? Is there any mismatch there? Some of you might need to close the door on some things that, that are allowing those types of, of negative behaviors into your life. And I can't get over At the end of verse 21, he says, and the like. At the end of the most comprehensive sin list in the New Testament, Paul adds, and the like. Just in case he left your favorite sin off the list. He, he throws that little etc. at the end. Because maybe the specific one didn't get named, but you know that there's something that you need to close the door on. And I would encourage you to ask that. I also want to look at at another phrase in verse 21 because he makes it really clear. He says, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so I don't want you to feel shame or condemnation because at some point in the last year or in the last few years, one of these was a part of your life. This is a place where grace transforms what was into what could be. And when Paul says those who live like this, that is what we call the present participle of the word live in the Greek language. It means that you make a habit of doing it. You're you're choosing this over what God has for you. You're choosing the acts of the sinful nature over the fruit of the Spirit and refusing to allow God's grace to transform that part of your life. I want to be really clear on that. Lest you come away with this idea that, oh, I messed up one time. I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God, so what's worth trying That's not what he's saying here. He's saying that when you make a habit of doing that, when your outward conduct indicates the inward spiritual condition that the Holy Spirit is not involved, is not bearing fruit, that's where we need to lean into the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that this is where uh, the Holy Spirit leads us next. But before we move to the fruit of the Spirit, I just want to give the Spirit one more time, one more opportunity to ask yourself, to do a little introspection. Is there any place in my life where these sins are present and where they're having, they're having their way with me? And how can I get over that? Is that something that I need to open the door to a friend or to a pastor or to some counseling or to a group that is designed to help people have victory over those things? They're all over Sioux Falls. There are so many wonderful ministries, so many wonderful blessings that are available to us if we get serious about moving beyond these things in our life. And if you need some help with that, please reach out to our staff, reach out to me. We'll help connect you with resources in our community that will help you get the upper hand on that through the power of God, through his grace at work in your life. (coughs) Excuse me. I was going to try not to cough into the microphone, but I didn't make it. Now I want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Because this is a really good stuff right here. And like we said with the acts of the sinful nature, it's broken into three categories. And these categories are a little looser in the fruit of the Spirit because these things just work all throughout. 
But when you talk about your relationship with God and having a healthy relationship with God, that will be characterized by the love of God, the joy of God, and the peace of God flowing through your life into the world around you. That as believers, as Christians, we are meant to be channels of love and joy and peace, not just cisterns. Not that we are reservoirs trying to get as much as we can, but that we are flow, letting these things flow through us into the world around us. That people see our lives as lives characterized by love and joy and peace because we have a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. Some of us may need to open the door to God's love, to God's joy, and to God's peace because the world offers a different version of each of those things that's not the same as the divine Love, the divine joy, and the divine peace. And then there's our relationships with others. When we have healthy relationships with others, then our interactions with others are going to be characterized by patience, by kindness, and by goodness. These are things that have an outward expression. If you're being patient, you're probably being patient with someone. If you need someone to be patient with, then I envy you. If you have no one that you need to be patient with, then I envy you. I have people in my life that I have to be patient with, and I'm sure they have to be patient with me. But as we have right relationship with God and his love, joy, and peace move through us into the world around us, that will manifest itself in our relationships with others. And we will be patient, and we will be kind, and we will be good in our interactions with others. And we will go through life looking for ways to be kind instead of looking for reasons not to be kind. Like, Some people, I swear, they're just looking for an excuse not to be kind. And I want to be just the opposite. I want to go through life looking for reasons, looking for ways to be kind and to be a blessing and to show goodness on behalf of God. Some of us need to open the door to those things in our lives. That It's not enough to just kind of hole up in our own little holy huddle. We need to go out and be kind and be good and be patient with the world around us. And finally, self and faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That when you have a right relationship with yourself and you understand who you are in God's sight and who he created you to be, then you will have a faithfulness or a discipline. You will be a faithful person. Your word will be kept when you give your word. You will be gentle. Now, when we talk about gentleness, I've mentioned this word before because when most of us think about gentleness, we think about, you know, being meek or mild or, or, or being really soft or something like that. But gentleness, in, in the word that we're translating as gentleness here is the Greek word praos. And that word praos means strength under control. It means you've harnessed the strength. So like a skillful sailor harnesses the power of the wind in the sails, that is a gentleness in, in the way that it moves the boat through the water or a bit in a bridle in a horse brings the strength of that stallion under control. And so when we talk about gentleness, it's taking the strength that we have and bringing it under the power and under the authority of God under the control of God, and finally, self-control, that we are self-controlled. And if we have those things, if we open the door to those things in our lives, that will help us to close the door on the wrong things. You see in the relationship between these here. And I love verse 23. It's one of my favorite. The last phrase there, after he lists the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. He says, against such things there is no law. What wisdom, what insight for Paul to look at this and say, wow, the things that I do when the Spirit is calling the shots in my life, the love, the joy, the peace, when those things are happening, there's no law against that. Nobody has ever made a law against being kind, against being faithful, 
against having self-control. There's no law against these things. That's why he can say that if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law because the Spirit will never lead you outside of the law. The Spirit leads you towards things that there is no law against. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. we got to give the reins over to the Spirit. God is not our co-pilot. He's supposed to be in the driver's seat. So many people, especially American Christians, go through life with a mixed-up idea of Galatians 5.23. And they think that the goal of the Christian life is to say, this is where I'm going, God. You come along with me. Right? But that's not what he said. In verse 24, he says, maybe it's 25. I might have mixed that up. But he says, if we are led by the Spirit, let us keep in step by the Spirit. We don't lead the Spirit of God around through our lives, begging him to bless our program. We say, God, where are you working in this world? What are you doing in this world? How can I keep in step with the Spirit of God? If we are led by the Spirit, if love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is coming out of our lives, then we're keeping in step with the Spirit. And we're doing what Jesus would do if he were us. If he had your job, worked it in your office, or on your job site, what would Jesus do in that situation? Jesus had your family. How would he treat them? That's what discipleship is. It's learning to live as Jesus would if he were me. It's learning to follow the Spirit in each of those settings. Learning to practice love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Because our bottom line, closing the door on the wrong things, helps you open the door on the right things. Don't just get all excited about, I'm going to do all this and go all this. Do the self-assessment that first says, is there anything that needs to go? Is the reason that I'm so exhausted at the end of the day that I, I can't stay awake to read my Bible that I spent three hours watching television? Maybe we could do the Bible reading first. Fall asleep in front of the TV instead of doing the TV first and falling asleep in front of the Bible. I don't know. It's just a thought. But when we close the door on the right things, it helps us to open the door. Oh, I'm sorry. When we close the door on the wrong things, it helps us to open the door on the right things. And so now I want you to go back to that season of growth that we talked about at the beginning. You remember that season of growth? For me, it was that period of time when I felt God call me into ministry and, and launch us on that path. But I want you to think about were there, were there acts of the sinful nature during that season that, that you set aside, that you closed the door on so that you could open the door to the fruit of the Spirit. For me personally, up until the, the spring of 2004, I was working in an industrial warehouse. And... I was learning all kinds of interesting words in that industrial warehouse. And there were all kinds of things that they would talk about on Monday morning that they had done throughout the weekend that were not good things for me to be thinking about or hearing about or anything else. And I feel like God helped me close the door on a really negative and toxic environment during that season that opened the door to a season of growth spiritually. Not only did it close the door on some really negative influences in my life and some negative people in my life and some negative habits in my life. It opened the door to a men's Bible study, to, um, to some new relationships, to some new habits. And we started serving in our church and we started teaching a Sunday school class. And we started replacing the lies of Satan that led us towards the acts of the sinful nature with the truths of God. 
that led us towards the fruit of the Spirit. And I remember this book. It came to mind this morning, and I went and got it off my shelf. It's called The Search for Significance. I don't know if any of you have ever heard this book. It's a wonderful book. And I remember this, this uh, note card, this index card that I had written out and I kept with me. I started wearing a suit every day so I could keep this with me. And on this, there's, there's Satan's lie and there's God's truth. There's Satan's lie that my worth equals my performance and others' opinions, where God's truth replaced that and says, my worth equals what God says is true about me. And there were six of these, and I would review these every day, getting away, getting away from the lies of Satan and opening the door to the truths of God. And God used that to grow me spiritually. And I think he would do the same with you. If you would come before him humbly and say, is there anything, God, that needs to go for my life so that I can open the door to what you have for me, to where your spirit would lead me? And I really believe that 2019 could be the best year of your life, every single one of you. If you got closer to Jesus than you've ever been before, then come what may, circumstances will be irrelevant you will have the best year of your life if you get closer to Jesus in 2019 than you have ever been before. And you'll do that through Bible reading. You'll do that through prayer. You'll do that through small groups and fellowship. You'll do that through serving and giving and growing in your faith. And I want to encourage you on December 30th, 2018, to shut the door on something that might get in the way of that so that you can open the door to what God might have for you. Maybe it's social media. Maybe you need to put some limits on that. Maybe you say, I'm not going to get on there and argue with strangers about things that don't matter. Maybe they do matter an awful lot, but arguing with strangers is not a productive solution. Or maybe there's some relationships that you've tried as hard as you can to redeem them, and it's time to put some boundaries on them. And there's some relationships that, that you need to close the door on. Maybe there's some habits or some influences whether it's a television show or something else, there's something that's influencing you in the wrong direction, you need to shut the door on that so that you can open the door to things that will feed your soul and will bring about the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And if you're here today and you're curious about what Christianity is all about or maybe you've been around the church for a long time and and you got it pretty well figured out, but you realize you've never made a commitment, you've never extended the hand to say, God, I want to receive your grace and your forgiveness for everything that I've ever done. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus that will transform me from the inside out, that will replace the acts of the sinful nature with the fruit of the Spirit. If that's you, and maybe today is the day that you close the door on the unbelief that has prevented you from making that decision in the past, and you open the door to the faith, to trust in the good news of the gospel. Wherever you are on that spectrum, my hope and my prayer is that you will respond in faith, that you will open your hands before God and allow him to search you and know you, as David said, and to reveal to you if there is anything that stands between you and him. And let's leave it behind right now. And let's move into the year ahead, pursuing the fruit of the Spirit. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit, which leads us into the very best things that life has to offer. We pray, God, that you would give us the wisdom right now to know what to do and the courage to do it, even if it's hard. 
Pray, God, that as we move into the year ahead, that we would do so in step with your spirit and that we would follow your spirit throughout every moment of every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.